Tim Anderson got punched in the face and Noah Gregson liked a meme. I'll tell you who both of them are and what I take from the situations on this week's Random Thoughts. Hello and welcome to episode number 243 of the Random Thoughts podcast. Spell that R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. And on today's show, I am going to talk about a couple of stories that have been huge in the sports world, but I think they have implications well beyond their particular sports themselves. The first is with Major League Baseball, the Chicago White Sox, the team I followed for a long, long time. And I've talked about Tim Anderson a few times on this podcast. And Tim Anderson is back in the news once again. Again, not for something good. I don't even think I got into on this show a few weeks back when the story broke that It had been revealed, it came to light, as they say, that Tim Anderson had a longtime girlfriend and another child outside of his marriage. I mean, I can only assume that kind of news coming out may be one of the reasons why an otherwise all-star quality hitter in the major leagues is having an absolutely horrible year, doesn't seem to be having much fun. The last time I believe we talked about him was when Josh Donaldson of the New York Yankees last year referred to Tim Anderson as Jackie because in a previous year's interview with Sports Illustrated, I believe it was, Tim Anderson said he was the new Jackie Robinson. He was a Jackie Robinson of fun. He made some kind of comment like that where he himself compared himself to Jackie Robinson. When Josh Donaldson called him this, Josh Donaldson being a white player, Tim Anderson being a black player, well, Tim Anderson knew that he had referred to himself as Jackie Robinson. The White Sox manager, Tony LaRusso, who was already in his 70s at the time when this happened last year and was not around with the White Sox, when Tim Anderson originally called himself the new Jackie Robinson of fun, Well, Tony La Russa said, well, this seems like a racial thing. Calling a black player Jackie, well, that has to be racist. I don't think Tony La Russa had a clue that Tim Anderson had referred to himself as Jackie Robinson. And that would make it pretty much not racist at all. And I'll ask the question, if there's a white guy who just happens to be a big home run hitter and a black guy calls him babe, well, is that racist? I'd like to know. But we'll get into that with the next sport because the Tim Anderson thing here, not really about race, which is good, not about his illegitimate child, which is good, but it's about Tim Anderson getting punched in the face, which is kind of good. He may have deserved it. This came in a game with the Cleveland Guardians. I still want to call them the Indians, where I guess. There had been a little bit of a history because I have not watched any White Sox. I have not watched any any Major League Baseball. So I'm just going on reports here. 
But there have been problems, I guess, with the way Tim Anderson has been tagging people, maybe pushing some of the younger players from the Guardians off the bag. And one of the veterans that slid into the base with Tim Anderson, Jose Ramirez, well, he got up and he started pointing at Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson didn't seem to like that. And the next thing you know, Tim Anderson did something that I've never seen in baseball in all of my years watching it. I don't believe it's happened since because this is the kind of thing that goes viral that you just probably couldn't miss seeing somewhere. Tim Anderson gave his best NHL enforcer impersonation a try. And he threw his glove on the ground and actually put his fists up like an old timey boxer. Like, okay, let's go. And I think he said, let's go, let's fight, want to do this. And Anderson swung and missed. He's been doing a lot of that this year. But Ramirez came up with a right hook that hit Anderson in the side of the face. And Tim Anderson went down. The Cleveland radio announcer, I guess, had the best call on this one doing his best Howard Cosell with Anderson's down, Anderson's down. And watching the video of Tim Anderson trying to walk himself off of the field after this, it appeared that he had his bell rung pretty good because he was not walking straight. So it appears that the punch landed, and not only did uh, Tim Anderson fall backwards and fall down, but it would appear that maybe there's a concussion here. I haven't heard that since, but it seemed like he got whacked good enough for that to be an issue. Now, after the game, the Red Sox manager, Tito Francona, Terry Francona, he answered questions and he basically said, boys will be boys. It was hilarious because the first reporter to ask him a question was, well, what did you think of Ramirez's left hook? And he's like, right hook. And he didn't want to say it was funny. He's like, but he really enjoyed the call from the radio announcer. And he said, boys will be boys. This is a sport. Guys should be passionate. They should want to win. They should want to do the best that they can for their team. Thus, sometimes emotions are going to run high. I think that goes well beyond sports. After the game, Jose Ramirez, through a translator, stood up and talked to the media. And his answer was, through some of the last games that they played the White Sox, it was in their impression as a team and his impression personally that Tim Anderson was not respecting the game. He was being disrespectful the way he was placing tags on some of the younger players on his team. He thought it was important for him to stand up for them, stand up to Tim Anderson. And he answered the questions like a man would. On the other side of this, Tim Anderson has not spoken to the media about this. The White Sox manager, first year manager, Pedro Griffal, he got up and said, um, well, we're going to let MLB take care of this. That was his only comment. No comment about anything else. I've said multiple times when it comes down to one side 
wanting to give you information and another side trying to stifle information, which side you should believe or at least give a little bit more weight to what they're saying. Kind of the same thing here. Very interesting to me that Tim Anderson will not stand up and speak to the media. And the manager that will speak to the media, but will just give you the no comment. I think it would be important for everybody involved in a situation like this to give their side of exactly what happened and why it happened. Because I don't think you have to walk away going, well, we think fighting in baseball is right. Although it's probably good for the ratings. NASCAR, who we're going to get to in a minute, they learned that during a Daytona 500 back in, was it 1979, I believe? They learned very quickly the TV ratings when you had a fist fight in the infield. Well, that was going to drive some excitement. And MLB needs to drive a little bit of an excitement right now. But Tim Anderson refused to say anything. The manager refused to say anything. And to make matters even worse, the team's owner, Jerry Reinsdorf, refusing to say anything. And he's been asked by media members who said, no, he doesn't want to have that conversation, doesn't want to talk. And that just says to a fan base, there's something really wrong with the team. And it's not just the fan base saying it is the players that are leaving the White Sox that are coming out and telling their stories. And oh, before we totally move away from the Tim Anderson and Jose Ramirez thing, Jose Ramirez, while he still stands by the reasoning why he was upset with Tim Anderson, and they've both been suspended, Tim Anderson got six games, I believe it was, and Ramirez got three, which should tell you something. Although, I think when you're both putting up your fists and saying you want to fight, maybe that should be equalized. But afterwards, Jose Ramirez said, I felt bad about this. I have reached out multiple times to try to have a conversation with Tim Anderson. He won't pick up the phone. Tim Anderson is not looking like the kind of player that any team should want on their roster. I mean, one, he cheats on his wife. He has a child out of wedlock. He gets into fights. He calls people racist when it's obvious that they're not racist. I don't know how good of a player you have to be to cover up those sins, but I don't even think that uh, Babe Ruth would be good enough to cover up all of those sins and just seem like he is not a person of value. He's not a person of honor. Is it maybe a better way to put it? And. Tim Anderson could have done a lot of good. I said this back with the Josh Donaldson thing. When Tony LaRusso said it was a racist thing, I would have had a ton of respect for Tim Anderson if he would have said, no, it's not. It's something I said, and I don't like being razzed about it, and I don't like people calling me Jackie, but it's not racist. But he didn't. When he was asked to comment, on what Tony LaRusso said, that it was a racist comment, he said pretty much the same thing. It's not pretty much the same thing. He knew it wasn't pretty much the same thing. So I kind of have to admit, 
watching the video because I wasn't watching the game, but watching the video of him getting clocked, it was like, yeah, you kind of deserve it. You kind of deserve it. I said back then I thought he was a clubhouse cancer, dividing people in the clubhouse because all the players on your team feel like they have to go to bat for you. That's what teams usually do. At least that's what winning teams do. That's what teams with chemistry do. They police their own. They back their own. They become an entity that is beyond just the individual parts. The Chicago White Sox lately are not that. They are not that. And the players that are leaving, including Kenyon Middleton, who was a reliever for the White Sox, have had comments that are not very good about his former team, including, quote, we came in with no rules. I don't know how you police the culture if there are no rules or guidelines to follow because everyone is doing their own thing. Like, how do you say anything about it because there are no rules? You have rookies sleeping in the bullpen during the game. You have guys missing meetings. You have guys missing pitchers fielding practice. And there are no consequences for any of this stuff. End quote. Basically, the White Sox are the wild, wild west. They have no leadership whatsoever. This is me saying it, not Kenyon Middleton. But when you have anything, it doesn't matter if it's a company you're running, doesn't matter if it's a sports team. If you have no leadership, you're going to have big problems. Now, Rick Hahn, the Chicago White Sox GM, took some offense to this and said, hey, well, one of the last conversations I had with Kenyon, he was telling me about something he was sorry about that he did wrong, so he was part of the problem. That is the worst way you could possibly handle this. Mr. Hahn, you look like a buffoon handling it this way because this isn't one player saying this. Last year, Dallas Keuchel was traded or left the team. I don't remember what. But he said some negative things about the White Sox, and the White Sox got all mad. Well, you know what? There seems to be a lot more people confirming exactly what he said. A lot of people blame Tony La Russa for being an old, befuddled manager. And while he may have been partially, he wasn't up to what he used to be. If anything, I believe Tony La Russa, when he came back to the White Sox, went woke because that is what the upper management with the White Sox wanted. They wanted not Tony La Russa, the guy that's won multiple World Series and knows the game of baseball inside and out. They wanted somebody that was going to coddle these players like Tim Anderson. Ozzie Guillen said when he interviewed for this job over the last offseason to manage a team that he's already managed to a World Series, these morons in the front office asked him questions like, well, how would you handle this player? How would you handle that player? And Ozzy's like the same for everyone. If they don't do the job, they don't play. If they don't do the job long enough, they go bye-bye. But that's not what this woke culture demands. So thus the White Sox have turned into nothing but an absolute mess. And then you turn on somebody like this Middleton and be like, well, no, that's not true. Lance Lynn, multiple-time All-Star, veteran starting pitcher who was traded from the White Sox to the LA Dodgers was on a show when I was watching AJ Perzinski's foul ball or foul of foul territory. It's a YouTube show thing. And Lance Lynn came on 
And they asked him, well, hey, did you see the comments that Kenyon made? And he's like, yeah. And they're like, well, what's your take on it? And he's like, you know what? I don't want to give my take on it, but I will tell you exactly where Kenyon was wrong. And they said, okay. And Lance Lynn just sat there and smiled. Didn't say a word. Like, I'll tell you where he was wrong. He wasn't wrong at all. So, Mr. Rick Hahn, GM of the Chicago White Sox, you have multiple people saying the same exact story that your team is an absolute mess because it has no leadership and leadership has to come from the top. You have an owner, Jerry Reinsdorf, who's in his 80s. I get it. Maybe he doesn't want to deal with this anymore, but then sell the team. He doesn't want to talk to the media. I haven't seen Kenny Williams, the vice president in charge of baseball operations. Haven't seen him talk to the media about this. Rick Hahn, the GM, his comment was, let's point the finger at the guy that was making the comments about us. Totally a bad look for you, Mr. Hahn. And you have a manager in Pedro Grafal who's like, well, we're just going to let Major League Baseball handle the uh, Tim Anderson thing. Nobody can stand up and take responsibility for what's going on. Nobody can stand up and say, I have a fix for this problem because they don't. And this is a team that was supposed to be a winning team on paper coming into the last few years. Everybody was like, well, this team should be able to do it. They have the talent, but you know what? It doesn't matter how much talent you have if you don't have leadership. If you don't have leadership, there's a really good chance that everything is going to fall apart and you're not going to be successful. And that is exactly what you're seeing here. The White Sox need another complete rebuild, but they also need to get rid of Rick Hahn, they need to get rid of Kenny Williams. And while from the grand scheme of things, you could say it's impossible to get rid of a team owner because he owns the team. But Jerry, it may be time, sir, to sell the team. They bought the team, him and his partner, Eddie Einhorn, who passed away a few years ago. They bought the team, I think, in 1983, 84. It was a long run. Got one World Series and people will tell you that this was a Kenny Williams thing, that he put this team together. It was not. 2005 was a fluke. 2005 was a miracle. 2005 was a bunch of ragtag. I mean, you think of the Bad News Bears movies from way back when. That was the White Sox that somehow were blessed by the baseball gods for one perfect season. Players performed in that season the way they never did before or never would again. And Ozzie Guillen, I think, was the great equalizer as the manager to buffer the team from the inept front office and lead them on the field the way they needed to be led. And that's how the miracle happened. A.J. Perzinski made the comment this week that he's had multiple players that have played for the White Sox recently or currently on the roster, perhaps, that have asked him the question, how did you win in Chicago? How did you do it? Because this front office, I, he said they are totally dumbfounded that there was any way with the management team in the front office that this team, the way it's run now, was able to win. And every now and then, I guess maybe you just get lucky. So 
take that as a lesson for everybody out there. Having leadership is important. Standing up and taking responsibility is important, even if you don't want to do it. Tim Anderson is always going to be tied to this fight with Jose Ramirez. He's always going to be tied, and he's always going to be the guy that got knocked out. And that's not going to be easy to deal with. I thought A.J. Perzinski's comments about this were absolutely beautiful because A.J., back in the day when he played for the White Sox, one of the years there was a Cub Sox series where A.J. went into home plate pretty hot and the catcher for the Chicago Cubs, Michael Barrett, when A.J. got up, clocked him in the face. And he says, I hear from that all the time. I hear about that all the time. People run into you. He's like, either they have pictures that they want you to sign where you're getting your face punched. They want to talk about it. And he's like, there is two ways you can deal with that. And he's like, I think the wrong way is to not say anything. I think the wrong way is to do nothing. He's like, I leaned into it because you can't undo it. You can't make it so it didn't happen. That's what people are going to remember no matter what. And if you don't have a sense of humor about it, and I don't think Tim Anderson seems to have a sense of humor about himself at all. He seems to have a slightly inflated ego. Maybe he should be a podcaster, but he does not seem like the type that's going to be able to play this one down. Or if somebody brings him a photograph that was snapped right at the moment where Jose Ramirez's fist was connecting with his face. I don't know if Tim Anderson is ever going to have the ability to sign that photo and laugh about it. I hope that he does because that would be better for him and that would be better for the fan who is asking for that autograph because he remembers this moment. It's a big moment. Everybody's talking about it. The White Sox suck as a team. They're 20-something games under 500, but all of the sports shows were talking about Tim Anderson getting punched in the face. And I hope that Tim Anderson can move on as a person that he can get better. I don't wish bad on anybody, but it seems that he is bringing a lot of negative stuff to this team, and that needs to go. That needs to go for this team to move on, for the fan base to move on. It's a lot bigger than one person, and I hope everybody just gets it together. Now, I told you we have a NASCAR story as well. This one a little bit different. For a few different reasons. One, it's about a rookie named Noah Gregson. I believe he's 25 years old. Just started in the premier NASCAR division this year. And he was on Instagram. And he liked a meme that was offensive to a lot of people. And I can see why. Which was the crab from one of those Disney movies where they have the song Under the Sea. And the face was replaced with that of George Floyd. And it said, under the knee, under the knee. That was the meme. In bad taste? Sure. But there is a lot of memes that have been put out over the years in very bad taste. A lot of deaths of a lot of people have been belittled on the internet that people turn into memes that they think are funny. Some are funnier than others. Some are more clever than others. But the old adage that tragedy plus time equals comedy, I think is true. It's always been the way that it is. 
Memes and the internet have just made things maybe a little bit faster, that timeline. And it certainly makes it easier to do this kind of stuff. So Noah Gregson is on his Instagram account, sees that meme, and allegedly meant to and did like the meme. I say it that way because I stopped using the Instagram app because there were times where I was just trying to click and move on that if you touch the screen just right, it's going to like the image. It doesn't matter whether you want to like it or not. You can like it accidentally very easily. And that can be embarrassing for people, depending on whose image you're on, what the image is of or whatever. So you have to be careful. In this case, it seems Noah Gregson didn't come out, at least better than Tim Anderson. He made comments. He apologized, said it was in bad taste. But he never said, no, no, I didn't do that. And he didn't hide. So I'll give him credit for that. Obviously, he's a little bit more of an adult, maybe, than Tim Anderson. But he was originally suspended by his team and then suspended by NASCAR. And now he has been relieved of his contract from his team. So he is currently now unemployed for liking a meme. And there are so many questions for me when it comes to this meme and the whole concept of memes in general. But for this meme, I would question, does it matter who made the meme? What if it's somebody just trying to cause more division in this country, something we're seeing at a rapid pace? What if it's somebody that meant, you know, there are so many questions that we don't have answers to. But this meme was obviously created to be in bad taste, at least from my point of view. Making fun of anybody's death is probably going to be in bad taste. That should be a simple rule that most of us can follow as human beings, whether you like the person or not. You know, though, that people, when conservative figures have died recently, some of the left have applauded it. They have cheered. Oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. And I'm sure some people, when Ruth Bader Ginsburg or whoever passed away, similar kind of stuff. It's in bad taste no matter what. But I think what Noah's getting here is the same thing like Josh Donaldson calling Tim Anderson Jackie Robinson, even though he called himself Jackie Robinson. It became a racial issue. And I think that's what you have here with Noah Gregson as well. And I don't know if that's fair. I don't think that's fair. If you don't have anything else to back that up, how do you know that anybody is seeing race whatsoever? Now, you can say it's in bad taste, but professional athletes do things that are in bad taste all the damn time. I mean, if we had to suspend everybody who did anything in bad taste, we probably wouldn't have any professional sports. And the case can be made that might be good because so many people are now addicted to gambling, which is being thrust upon them by professional sports. But I think this is an interesting case with Noah Gregson, because I'd like to know, is there anything else he ever done in his career, in his young life, leads you to believe that he's racist? I would like to know how many black friends he has or whatever friends of different nationalities, different cultures that he may have, because it's possible he's not seeing race whatsoever. This was just a funny meme, he thought, a dark humor meme that you could go, well, I thought that was, you know, a funny thing. I wouldn't have liked it because I know 
the world we live in. And I think this is also something that as a professional athlete, I think you should understand as well that anything you do will be multiplied. Anything you do, anything you react to, you have to be very careful to avoid any of the controversial issues. But I don't think this makes Noah Gregson a bad guy. I'm interested, though, on if he will be able to get his career going again, if any other team will give him a chance to drive, because he seems like a fairly talented driver who was just at the beginning of his career. So it'll be an interesting thing to see how that works out for him, because I don't think that somebody that is white making fun of somebody black that's had a death is the same thing if somebody black was making fun of somebody white that died. I don't think it has to necessarily be racist. We don't have to keep looking at things from that side of it. I mean, you could be like, well, you're a jerk, but you have a bad sense of humor. Sure. But those are completely different things that don't usually get somebody fired from their job and their career imploded. So it'll be interesting to watch this as we move forward. Think before you tweet or X, whatever it's called now. Think before you post anything. Think before you like anything. Is it really something you need to do? People would be much better off if they did a lot less on social media. Way less chance to get yourself into trouble. If you have a lot to say, you can always become a podcaster. Hey, that's what I've done. And this show that I'm doing, the Random Thoughts Podcast, is a value for value show. I put them out there. They're not behind a paywall. If you've gotten any value out of this show whatsoever, it's up to you to put a number on that. Go over to our website, randomthoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com slash donate. You can click the donate button to do a one-time or monthly donation through PayPal. You can use the QR codes or wallet addresses. If you want to do the crypto thing, you can use the P.O. box address. If you want to go the snail mail route, if you're in the podcasting 2.0 environment, you can stream some Satoshis while you listen or send us a boost or a boostagram. And if you're over on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com, random thoughts. They are all valid ways to get some value back to us. We have a few people to thank for today's show, including Anonymous, for coming in with $25. Always appreciated. A different Anonymous came in with 5,000 Satoshis and said as a uh, comment from the last show it's a typical deflection tactic from the chicago mayor he doesn't want to talk about the looting so he talks about the language people use to describe the looting end quote yes exactly that's what politicians do everywhere that's especially seems to be true with what liberal politicians do when they don't want to talk about the reality of the situation of how bad things are in the cities or states or countries that they're running so then they will take offense with the language you use. Oh, no, we talked about that in the last episode, you and I. When the reporter said it was a mob, the mayor's like, no, 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 the group of children is not a mob. And I'm like, well, go read the dictionary, although they'll change it maybe by today. Because when a Democrat says something, the people over at Merriam-Webster seem to listen really quickly and they change the definition of things. So be aware of that as well. This is another trap. This is why social media is a trap. Something you say today that has one meaning that's entirely different than what it might mean tomorrow. Well, they're going to find that old tweet and they'll point to you and be like, oh, you see, I knew that person was bad because they said this. 
It's all a scam. John C. Dvorak of the No Agenda Show is right when he says it. It's a scam. But I also want to thank the folks that stream some Satoshis while they are listening. And that would be Sir Sean of the Allegheny Valley, Eric PP, and Dale Jr. It is all very much appreciated. Help us keep the lights on, the microphone sounding good, and all of that. If you want to share some value back with us again, just go over to randomthoughts.com slash donate. And it is very much appreciated, as is the time that everyone listening to this has spent listening to this episode and others. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of things you could be doing with your time. It is an honor that you are listening to the show. If you want to reach out, you can do so. Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N at randomthoughts.com or over on Elon Musk's Twitter slash X. Darren O'Neill, D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L. And of course, if you're on No Agenda Social or Mastodon, it's Darren O'Neill at noagendasocial.com. With all of that said, I will be back next week. What day? I don't know. I keep thinking I want to push this back up, but then it gets to be Friday. And I'm like, oh, geez, I didn't do a random thoughts yet. So sometime next week, there will be another random thoughts that sounds like a threat, but it's not. It's a promise. Until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.